Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi. Welcome to BT Sports new podcast, Life's a Pitch. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by John Cross and Tom Hopkinson. This football season is a game of thrones. Empires rise and fall. Kings live and die. What's going on at Arsenal and Chelsea? What's going on in Manchester and Liverpool? Watford, Palace and Everton are at Wembley. Rafa's back at Newcastle. But let's cut to the chase. John, you've literally written the book on Arsene Wenger. <laughs> he says it's a farce, but we've got to ask the question, is it time for him to go? I think when it becomes so toxic, so inhibiting and so... It must be debilitating for, for Arsene Wenger. Then I do think it's a very valid question. I, I do think that Arsene Wenger has been so good for Arsenal. Then I, I pers- my personal view would be to, to kind of let him see out the contract and then make a change. It does feel like change is coming and probably change is needed. But I think it would be so sad to kind of force him out the door when you consider what he's done for Arsenal. I think he's been Arsenal's greatest ever manager. I think this season is fading away into disappointment. It feels like any other season. Um, but, you know, he's won back to back FA Cups. Yes, he's fallen short this time. I think he's probably ultimately going to fall short in the title race. They're going to go out of the Champions League. But, you know, I think everything in context, I, I still think that Arsene Wenger has overall has done a very good job at Arsenal. Mm. There's this real misconception out there, Tom, isn't there, that, you know, us Germos love a bit of, you know, a bit of friction, a bit of rancour. But actually, I think we do like Wenger, don't we? And I, th- I think we've got an immense respect for what he's done. You know, I think he's probably been the best, most influential manager over the last two decades, and I would include Sir Alex Ferguson in that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got huge respect for him. Um, you know, I, I find the whole situation, I thought the word he used uh, yesterday, uh, the farce, it was absolutely right. I, I just do not understand why Arsenal fans are, are behaving, or sorry, certain sections of Arsenal fans are behaving this way towards well, some him. some are fighting against... Fight, fighting amongst other, themselves. I mean, it's crazy. You know, if, if, you, if I said to you two now, right, your football clubs over the next two decades are going to win three Premier League titles, they're going to win six FA Cups, would you take that? You'd bite their hands off. I mean, the man has done an absolutely phenomenal job. And as, as John said, you know, we're in danger now that they're
they're going to taint his whole legacy because it's becoming so visceral, um, you know, such a toxic atmosphere at uh, at the Emirates that if I was him, I, you know, I'd be looking thinking, well, how ungrateful can can you be? You know, I'm just going to walk away and, and that's the end of it. And I think as Manchester United fans have seen, you know, not, not, not that uh, they, they wish for anything, but, you know, it is a case of be careful what you wish for because as United fans have seen, once those great managers step aside, then it's a very difficult job for whoever comes in next. And, you know, short of getting Guardiola, who we know they're not going to get now, who, who is going to come in and take over from Wenger, whether it's at the end of this season, the end of next season, and, and build on his legacy? Do you think there was a chance they could have got Guardiola, John? Yeah, I do. I do. I think it was... I think... Uh, just my belief, but I do think that basically Guardiola, if Guardiola maybe had a choice, then it might have been a really good fit at Arsenal. And even more so, I know that from from within, that basically Arsenal long felt that the obvious natural successor in terms of philosophy and everything that he represents in style of football, the way that the club runs, the way that they encourage youth to come through, would suit Guardiola. And, and they felt that Guardiola, had the timing been right, would be the perfect choice. But the dates did didn't come together. And I think there was an awful lot of t talk, wasn't there, before Guardiola was confirmed at Man City that Man United would jump in, Chelsea were trying to get him, and then, you know, surely Arsenal would, would go for it. But I just feel that he had made up his mind by then. Um, you know, as soon as he decided to, to... or before he decided and announced publicly that he was going to leave Bayern, Man City was in the bag. He knew what he was going to do next. But I mean before then, because I just feel that the Guardiola was probably looking at his options, it would have been perfect. But who now next is, is the obvious question, because unless you've got someone better, but whoever comes in next, if they finish top four for the next 20 years, and that's what Wenger has done, then that would be a remarkable achievement. I don't believe anyone else would do that. Nor also, if, if you think about it, I mean, he's been so successful winning two trophies, two FA Cups, you know, in, in three seasons. I think that's great. How long are you going to give the new guy, you know, to, to go and win a title? And that's that's the point, John, that isn't it? You know, if, if, if for Arsenal fans, if you ask them all now, over the course of the next 20 years, you know, again, you'll just repeat the same success that Arsene Wenger's had. You'll be treated to the same football. You'll be treated to all those years in the Champions League. Would you take it? Then they'd be absolutely crazy. Yeah. But not it's to got take the it. potential, hasn't it, Tom, to be a really messy week? In, uh, and that's, you know, that's, not, that's an unintended pun, well, you know? Yeah. Barcelona, potential embarrassment. Everton away, the sort of game they don't I've usually. I just got that punish, very good one. You're absolutely right, but but it's because we know what's coming, don't we? You know, we know that the fans. We saw them fighting after the game yesterday. Look, I mean, it's no disgrace to lose to Barcelona, but Arsenal fans, for some reason, there are going to be some of them. If depending on the manner of, of the defeat, of course, but you, you can imagine uh, that journalists will be coming away from the game, having reported that the the uh, environment in the stadium that night was terrible again, you know, and, and the, the, the fans uh, who, who travel are, are giving uh, Wenger a bit of grief. I mean, it's, it's probably, it's not so bad, is it, when you go away from home? But then, of course, you've got Everton, who had themselves a, a good result and confidence will be a little bit high going into that game or a little bit higher. So you're absolutely right, it could be a very messy week for them. Mm, and what about the players? You know, they do tend to get away scot-free, don't they? What mm. about their responsibility? Well, I do, I do think they've got to show responsibility. It was interesting, wasn't it, last week to, to read about the, the players' meeting that, that was kind of led by Pedacek and Thomas Rizicki and Murta Saka 
um, you know, Arteta as well. And then trying to sort of, you know, rally the troops. It's been such a familiar theme throughout Wenger's reign. He almost enjoys letting the players self-police and then offer that rallying cry. What it generally signals is, is a revival in their fortunes and they go on a really good run. Unfortunately, this time it's clearly not worked. Because make no mistake about it, Watford, that, that defeat is a serious setback because it damages confidence. I think you go to Barcelona, you're just trying to avoid humiliation. I don't think it's really there. But on, also on the back of that, you go to Everton on the Saturday lunchtime. Well, that's huge for Arsenal because if they lose and then West Ham win again, then basically you, you level on points. And Man United are not far behind either. And then suddenly it's going from basically trying to sort of kind of be in the title race to looking nervously over your shoulders because all of a sudden... Um, you know, top four is in jeopardy. So I do think there's so much responsibility on the players. They've got to find it. But it will be a very similar lineup in Barcelona because they've got no one else. I'd, I'd, I'd have played the, the weakest team possible in Barcelona. I really would. I mean, we mm. saw Pochettino do it in, in Dortmund, didn't we? Because he's saying, look, that's where my focus lies is in the Premier League. And, and if Arsene Wenger doesn't do that, then, uh, yeah, I, I think he'll be uh, asking for trouble in the long run. Mm. One club we can definitely say their season's over is Chelsea. What do you make of what's been going on there? Well, I, I think that this squad has been exposed as not being strong enough. I do think it's a period of transition. I mean, Gus Hiddink even said as much, didn't he, after the PSG defeat. And I think that I felt sorry for them in, in, in many ways, that they went to Everton on the back of a gruelling, exhausting Champions League uh, defeat to, to PSG. Two days, really, wasn't it? It's not fair. It really isn't right. I do think we are not giving our teams the best possible opportunity because people always say, oh, yeah, but that's afterwards. Well, it's not like that because in a player's mind and particularly in a manager's mindset, he's got to be thinking about, do I sub that player or how do I approach that? Because they work over a period of time, a schedule. And basically, Chelsea then went for the PSG game on the Wednesday to... to Everton away on the Saturday. And look, I, I'm not detracting at all from, from what Everton have done. It was a good performance, but that's going to take some, something out of the, out of the players with, with Chelsea. I mean, it's fascinating to see, isn't it, that, that, that sort of Costa has come back with a bang. And basically, I think in the last month or so, he's been so influential. You could see his frustration boil over at Everton. I mean, that's the, the shameful side of him. But he, he's shown again he's a really good player. But that team needs so much work, needs so much surgery. It needs a new spine. It really does. There's so much work to be done. Uh, taking that point, Tom, if you look at it, Hazard, Fabregas, Oscar, Matic... Cahill, etc., etc., etc. How many players are going to go out the door before they get people in? I, I don't think it'll be it'll be too many, um, really. I mean, it does need uh, huge surgery, um, but I, I don't think you can do it in in one transfer window. I think it's going to take Chelsea a couple of uh, a couple of seasons at least. So we're talking three, four transfer. But windows. don't they need to be really urgent because the dressing room culture is not right? Is yeah, no, no, absolutely. And 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 you know to see the likes of uh, Fabregas drop off a cliff uh, the way he has done. I mean, Ivanovic has just been given a new deal, but but his form over the last year he was he was magnificent at the start of last season. And as, as Chelsea uh, were, were going on to win the title, but then his form started to drop away in March, didn't it? I think he was suspended or injured, and, and he's never come good again. So there are so many key areas that that, that they need to restructure him. But as I say, you, you cannot bring in, you know, you could bring in an average team and, and have them all out the door. But I, I, you're only on the back on the basis of this season, you're only replacing like for like if you were to do that. To to bring in the players that Chelsea really need to bring in to get themselves back to that level where they are reaching semi-finals of Champions League, they're reaching 
in the finals of the Champions League. They're challenging for the Premier League title. As I say, I, I think that's going to take three transfer windows at least. Yeah, but if you look at Chelsea's record in recruitment, mm -hmm. it's been appalling, isn't it? Yeah. And Michael Emanalo, you know, the Teflon Don, isn't he? No, nothing sticks to him. How's, how does that happen? I, I just don't know. They have, they have bought so many fringe players and, and basically loaned, either loaned them out as good young prospects um, or, or kind of left them sitting, sitting on the bench. The biggest embarrassment, I think, in recent times is Pato, the signing of Pato. What has gone on there? What a ridiculous scenario there. It looks like the Doughboy. Yeah, he does. Do you, do you but know then that? on Saturday, rather than bring on Pato, they bring on John Terry to go up front to try and salvage the but game. But you, you know what the, you know the game going? works. You know the game works, John. Does that transfer not strike you as an agent saying to a man, an owner or a manager, look, the player you want, I can get him for you in the summer, but just do me a favour and take mm. this fella for six mm. months. I mean, it's clearly not Hiddink. Hiddink didn't want him at all, did he? I mean, what are we, 50-odd days, two months approaching since uh, Pato arrived? Just hasn't been anywhere near but the team. But that's completely counterproductive, isn't it? Because Pato's looking daft, Chelsea are looking daft, the agent, presumably, is looking daft as well. It, is it counterproductive? I mean, why, why, why does... You know, why do Chelsea look daft? They're not playing him. You know, this is just someone who's in the squad, and, and if it's a means to an end, look, I'm, I'm only. It's not I'm a convenient dustbin, is it? Well, no, it's not. But but what harm is he doing? It's not like it'd be even worse if you got this dud player and and played him, and and he was contributing to the team being even worse than they are at the moment. He's he's not anywhere near. He's just there Monday to Friday training, getting himself back to fitness. So in the summer, I must this... say, I think it's really embarrassing. Really, I, th I think it's terrible. I do think it's an embarrassment. I think I think also with the squad, I think that the general lowering of the squad because you are signing squad players. Look at Hector, for example, that mm. recruitment. Mm. You know the the. The guy that still, we still can't pronounce because he's nowhere near the first team. I mean, it's <laughs> absolutely ludicrous, isn't it? Yeah. But it's a lowering of, yeah. the, of the squad but not level. Cheap. You know, look at someone like Baba yeah. Raymond, who, who doesn't look anywhere near it. That's, what, 17? You see, 18, he's nowhere pounds? near, I don't think, Premier League standard, no. is he? You see, for me, that's a far more embarrassing signing than the likes of Pato, you know, because that, that, that lad was brought in to play and, and he was, they paid significant money for him. And yet, you know, any one of us, anyone watching, we, we would have known or we could have looked at that and said, that sign is not going to work. Mm. You mentioned John Terry, mm. John. You know, there's a lot of uh, speculation now that he might even go into management very mm. quickly at Bromby in Denmark. He will be a huge loss to that club, won't he? I think he will. I think there must be a very particular reason why Chelsea want to move him on. Because I think, to all intents and purposes, I'd still say that he's one of their being one of their better players this season. I just don't understand it. It, it basically. You're either looking at a sea change, a complete change of direction for, for the club, or, or there's something that we don't know about. It, it is, it's utterly bizarre that basically you do that. And lots of people say, oh, you know, he's not, not very good influence and, and kind of, you know, troubles in the past. Do me a favour. He's fantastic for Chelsea. Absolutely fantastic. And I can't, I can't believe, unless you are signing two or three world-class centre-backs... Why, why isn't there a place for John Terry? It's bizarre, and I think he's a good leader. I think he's very, very good in, in the dressing room, and I, I just do not begin to understand it. Is it linked in with a new manager? Maybe he doesn't want him there. You know, we, we're assuming that Conte's going to go in. Uh, yeah, we are. Well, Conte or Simeone, I think uh, I, everything I am told is that it's still not uh, quite done with, with Conte. So I think whatever that's the case, that Simeone's still got uh, a chance of the job. But yeah, I think it's uh, intrinsically linked with the new manager. And, and I, I, what's to say that the new manager won't come in and say, actually... 
give me another year with John, I, I, you know, I will take that. I, I think he'd be absolutely crazy, whoever it is, whoever comes in. As John says, it would be absolutely madness not to uh, give him another year. Mm. The focus these days is all on the managers, isn't it? They, you know, mm. They're the stars now rather than the players to a degree. Look at Liverpool, mm. Jurgen Klopp. He was the one that you looked at in the market and thought, yeah, he'll make a really good manager somewhere in the Premier League. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I, I just... I've sometimes had a little bit of doubt about him because I do think he could be very excitable and I didn't think the way that the final season at Dortmund descended into huge disappointment was particularly impressive. Um, I also thought that Dortmund were, were kind of, you know, always going to be rivals. But if there's one club that just seemed a perfect match because of basically... One of the biggest things that Klopp is about is about embracing the fans and buying into that club. And the, what, what he's done at Anfield is exactly that. He's really bought into it, embraced the fans, whipped up the fans. You can see how much they've taken to him and him to them. And I think that, that it's, it's just a perfect fit. The other thing I really liked about last week and, and, the, and the reason why you know, I thought they overcame Man United, in his approach albeit just in the press conference, but you can bet your bottom dollar that it resonated into the players in the dressing room, was the kind of, this is the game of our lives. It still means everything. Mm. Well, well, in contrast, Van Gaal was saying, don't live in the past. Well, Klopp was always going to win that game, and I love that, and I love his sheer enthusiasm. It's brilliant. Van Gaal is in Fantasy Island, isn't he? You know, he's talking about how his plan's still working. They're going to get beaten by Liverpool, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, they already are, as far as uh, most of us can tell. I mean, you know, it was such a, a great performance by Liverpool, but but just a really disappointing one from Manchester United as well. You know, can they know, come back this when, week? No, no, I don't think they can. You know, when, when when Van Gaal says stop living in the past, you know, we're only talking about two or three years ago. It's not like we're talking twenty years ago. Yeah, it was that sort of accusation you could have levelled at Liverpool, couldn't you? You know, about living in the past. But I, I think Van Van Gaal is completely misguided when he says that. I mean, I, I just think he'll be gone at the end of the season. Anyway, so um, you know, I, I just don't see any way that Manchester United can can keep him on. But um, I, I thought that that Liverpool performance absolutely epitomised everything that uh, Jurgen Klopp is about, and and it, it set the level for me. Not necessarily for the rest of this season, but for next year, he's got to be looking. Once he's brought in two or three players in the summer, he's got to be looking for that sort of uh, performance week in week out. And and again, as I said, with Chelsea, it's going to take a couple of uh, seasons for them to rebuild. I think Manchester United are in exactly the same position that um, you know, it's going to be another two years before we really see them back to their best, but that has to be with a change of manager this summer. That change of manager, will it be Jose Mourinho? You know, he's already told BT Sport that he's going to be back in the game in Ju July. Yeah, I, look, I do think that that's the most likely option. I don't think it's a, a fait accompli. Um, I think there's clearly, uh, you know, sort of kind of concerns. I, look, I think Jose Mourinho is a winner. And basically, I think that However you take him, I think that if he went into to Manchester United, I think it would be destiny, and I think he would deliver trophies. Um, it, it's always such an interesting sort of kind of contrast, isn't it? The fans want for, you know, for style of play and kind of trophies that allied as well. But make no mistake, I think Mourinho. I think obviously sometimes he can be a little bit formulaic in his approach, but there was times at Chelsea when he delivered really good attacking fantasy football. And I think he could do that again. I think every every manager adapts to his surroundings. And I think to suggest Mourinho, who, who's just a world-class manager, one of the best, if not the best, of his generation, couldn't do that, I, I think he's incredibly misguided. I think it would be brilliant as well, by the way, <laughs> to have Guardiola v Mourinho 
in Manchester, I think that would be fabulous. And, and not just and not just that, but you know, we're talking Klopp as well in there. Mm. Wenger still in there. You, you would imagine. And what about you know, and Pochettino? You know, and Pochettino. everyone's still looking at him, aren't they? You know, might he go to Man United? Could Chelsea nick him? He might as well stay where he is, mightn't he? I think he, he might as well. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea. He was, he was certainly mentioned uh, amongst the, the the corridors or in the corridors of power at Chelsea when uh, Mourinho went. He was mentioned as as, as a potential successor. But I, I mean, that will be an incredible yeah. battle, won't it, for, for Manchester United or for Chelsea to uh, try and get Maurizio Pochettino out of Tottenham? I mean. Daniel Levy would put up such a fight to uh, prevent that from happening. And as you say, I, I don't know why at the moment, um, you know, maybe long term it would be a move that, that might interest him. But certainly next season, why would you leave this Tottenham side at the moment when you've got such great young talent emerging and, and you've already got them challenging for the Premier League title this time around? Mm. Is, that, is that title race a two-horse race, John? I think it is, yeah. I'd... Um... I just think Arsenal look a little bit flat. I think Man City, I cannot believe that they didn't win at Norwich on Saturday. That no, was a Norwich... really re revealing performance, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. I mean, listen, Norwich fought for, for their lives and deserved that point. I'm not taking anything away from them, but I just felt that if you are in the mix for the title, if you're really going for it, you've got to absolutely win that game. And I just felt that City looked short of ideas, short of width, short of invention, short of creativity. Short of passion? Yeah, Absolutely. Sometimes I feel that it reflects, in, you know, from their manager. I think sometimes you you want a little bit more from him. I think the biggest overall factor is that basically we know that Pellegrini's going. It's always been the age-old problem in managers. Once mm. the players, you know, know the manager's going, give a player an excuse and he'll take it. And I think the players have taken that. And I think it's been a huge disappointment. I think the reason, the difference, perhaps in the Champions League, it's such an obvious target. And I feel that the players are still really interested in doing something in the Champions League. I think they'll go through, but I think that Pellegrini is, is, is in bother, you but know. And I think the players, have, you look at that performance, and it would suggest to me that they've given up on it. They, they look really good in the, the first leg against Kiev. I mean, they, they really controlled that game from start to finish and were very impressive. But just to pick up on, on what John said about the Norwich game, I was at the Etihad for the Villa game the week before, and yes, they won 4-0, but all four goals came in the second half. and. The first half, they, they really did. There was no real invention. It was difficult against Villa because they'd got nine men behind the ball um, and, and it was two very flat lines, so it was hard to break them down. But in years gone by, City have not worried about that. They've, they've you know, The likes of Torre, the likes of Silva have always had that spark, the likes of Aguero that can completely open up a side, no matter how how deep they were defending and how many players they got back but they just seem to lack that little bit of invention uh, at the moment and that's going to need addressing in the summer mm. you know, One of the things that we talked about right at the top of the show was you know, the peasants are revolting aren't they, this is the season of the underdog now the FA Cup really reflects that obviously you were at Arsenal saw Watford mm. Kike Sanchez-Ferrari said that was his best achievement as a manager He's got something about him, hasn't he? He has. I like, I like the way he sort of carries himself. He's got a real charm. He's got a steely sort of determination. Um, I think he looks sort of kind of stylish on the touchline and he's kind of gets swept along by that. But you shouldn't be because I think underneath he's just... He a, looks like Hugh Laurie, doesn't he? Well, someone, someone else mentioned that to me. Apparently my website calls him House <laughs> in, in tribute to him. And I, Yeah, I didn't quite get it really, but it went straight over my head. I don't watch enough TV. But, um, but I, he, he, he really does sort of embrace that, that sort of 
spirit and style. He's taken some very English players, and I mean that in the nicest possible way, in kind of in, in Deeney, for example. And I thought Deeney's work in the in the second goal was terrific, and it summed up what Watford are about, basically. Unselfishly, he holds the ball up, you know, in a dangerous area and lays it off to a teammate who can then score. And it's great, you know, and he's really sort of stuck in. I think he's brought the best out of Ben Watson. Can you name a better, you know, basically a better Watford player this season than Ben Watson? Mm. I think he's absolutely been fantastic. Cathcart Cathcart's was amazing. Been as well, you know, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was yeah. terrific at the, you know, at the Emirates. And I, I do think then he's embraced that brought in, you know, I think it was 16 players, new players within the squad at the start of the season. To do that and to get them all functioning, all pulling in the same direction, takes some doing. I think he's really quite and something play, playing special. Playing two up top as well. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. lovely, isn't it? The attacking intent that uh, that they've shown as well. Leicester have done the same and they've both reaped the rewards. But don't you look at... You see, I look at Deeney and I see probably the best captain in the Premier League. He's a... You know, he's had his mistakes in the past, been to prison, he's determined to actually rehabilitate himself in every sense of the word. You know, he had an opportunity to get Gabriel in some real bother in that cup tie with that, when there was that two-footed chat tackle. Just accepted the apology, got on with the game. He's a proper captain, proper player. Yeah, he is. I think he, he referred to uh, himself or he referred to the whole situation, you know, we're men, we, we take it like that. I think Troy Deeney and Gareth Barry actually have both come out. I know a lot of people saying mm. about Barry with the, the Costa situation that... What, the you know, love he, bite. He, well, yeah, the love <laughs> bite, yeah. That, he, that, that Barry, some of his uh, actions leading up to that weren't uh, weren't so good. But I think they've both conducted themselves very, very well. I mean, it's, it's interesting as well with, with Deeney. Uh, there was a lot of community service uh, to be done for him when he came out of, of prison. But uh, by all accounts, He's carried this on now, and he's still so entrenched in everything that the club do out in the community. Uh, you know, he, he, he's a real galvanising figure, uh, and, and as you say, a, a great leader for the rest of the squad to look up to. Mm. Looked at you know, a couple of. There's only three English managers in the Premier League, Alan Pardew being one of them, but he's at Wembley. Mm. Is that justification for a bit of a dodgy season? I don't know that it is really. I just felt that um, I'm a big Pardew fan. And I felt this season has sort of slightly faded away from them. And I think that possibly they've taken the eye off the ball in, in a few regards, basically, the FA Cup being one of them. I just felt they reached a point, you know, just after Christmas where Pardew could relax and say, you know what, we're going to kick on and maybe think about Europe next. Which is ambitious, to be admired, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get talk about a new contract. And I, I do think it's very rare that you see Pardew make a mistake, I think. And basically that was... That was one, because I just felt that they took the foot off the gas, got carried away with it all a little bit, lost sight of what the, the main goal was, and basically their results, you know, this calendar year have been absolute disastrous, mm. apart from the FA Cup, where they, you know, had some good results. I mean, to win at Spurs takes some doing. Mm. Um, and then, obviously, it was a test on, on, on the Friday night. It'd be really interesting now to see their pathway to, to the final. But it's opening up for them. And I think that the sort of Palace fans, it was interesting, I, was, I did the Spurs game and afterwards Pardew was saying, look, everyone that sort of kind of thinks of Palace, what do you think of? And he, he, he said, basically, you think of the 1990 FA Cup run and reaching Wembley. Mm. That's what the club is associated for. And I guess, even though this season has been slightly disappointing league form, if they can reach that FA Cup final for a new generation of Palace fans, that's kind of put their you know, sort of marker down and, and laid it firmly in the map. Similar situation with Everton and, and Martinez. 
Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, I, I think that that victory over the weekend, particularly given the fact that the uh, new owner was was there as well, you know, that will have really lifted spirits around the club. I mean, the one or two Everton fans really starting to grumble in in recent weeks about Martinez's uh, the, the lack of defence and and this whole idea that he has. I mean, I, I think it's to be admired the whole you score three, will score four, but um, that there does come a point when you look at the the talent uh, in in terms of individuals that Everton have got and and wonder quite why they they've been languishing in in the mid to lower echelons of the table um, throughout the season you know they, they should be challenging at least for a top seven spot with with the squad they've got and it just hasn't happened but I think the way uh, Lukaku in particular um, took his goals I mean that, that was one of the great FA Cup goals wasn't it you know mm. not saying it's quite the Ryan Giggs goal uh, from from all those years ago but it was certainly up there and, and you just wonder uh, again if that might be might give them the platform now Yes, look, this season in terms of the league, uh, I would forget about that now and, and push for the FA Cup final and for, for winning the FA Cup. But in terms of next year, in terms of what uh, what that victory can do to the club, I think it could be a, a significant impact. Mm. Tom mentioned you know, defensive problems or issues or questions at Everton. Rafa Benitez has gone into Newcastle and the first thing he's looked at, surprise, surprise, is their defensive shape and effectiveness. Is that a good appointment? I think it's a coup, and I think it is a good appointment. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see how it goes. I mean, I, I, he's a pragmatist, and I think that he will not so much be thinking about kind of Leicester, but the sort of the games ahead, and you, you can see Sunderland, mm. you can see Norwich, and you can see Swansea. And I just think that for Newcastle, those games, if they can win those sort of games or get good results in those, and that's why it's so important, I think, for, for Rafa to make his mark and kind of tighten them up. The biggest single factor for, for Newcastle where they are, why they are where they are is, is that defensive frailty because I think in the rest of the team they've got some good players. They've not it's scored goals though either, have they? That's, that's no, been the problem. No, it's, you know, it's they've conceded too many and not scored. <laughs> apart from that, yeah, apart from yeah, that, yeah, yeah, it's, it's all going well. well, yeah, well yeah. That's the, the obvious reason why they are where they are is because they've conceded too many goals and uh, and, and just not yeah. scored enough. And, you know, is Rafa the sort of price. big personality they need at that football club to overcome all the politics, the ownership issues, the fans? He'll certainly not take uh, any any messing around from uh, from the board. Um, how hands-on Mike Ashley is uh, with the current setup, you know, look, nothing happens at that club without uh, Mike Ashley's say so. But um, I, I think on that level, on that the fact he's going to be on the board from the summer, if indeed he stays, then I think that is a, a huge thing for for Newcastle because you know he's, he's been there and done it. You can't go to Real Madrid and deal with all the politics that were going on there uh, and, and not know how to work internally not know how to deal with a board you can't I know he lost the battle ultimately but it will have set him up you know for life the, the experience of Liverpool as well and particularly at the end uh, dealing with uh, everything that he had to deal with there this is a man who knows how to handle the politics and actually enjoys handling the politics of football clubs as well as the day-to-day -day managerial side of the players so I think from that respect it's almost the perfect uh, appointment for Newcastle and the derby on Sunday against Sunderland is that essentially a relegation playoff yeah, I think it is really because we are looking at kind of you know who wins that li little mini league, and I think it's so important you know for for either team. Sam Allardyce has shown in recent times, hasn't he, that basically he he's going to tighten up and he's going to play um, safety first as well. And I think the results of uh, and performances that have steadily improved, particularly since the January transfer window, when I think he was able to kind of do some decent business, tighten up the defence. 
Although the signing of Emmanuel Boué worries me. <laughs> I don't know, he's got a clown circus there. But, um, but I, I, you know, I think generally, I think he's, I think he's done very well. And I kind of, that, that, that derby, we just associate, don't we, kind of now Sunderland taking all the spoils. Whatever seems to happen... Sunderland seems to win. It's a remarkable And the, the added spice of Sam against Rafa as well. Yeah, I mean, they don't it, love each other, do they? Yeah. <laughs> no, there's no love lost there. So that, you know, just all throw that into the mix and it's, it'll be a great game. Uh, OK, chaps, the final question. <laughs> quick answer, and it's the £100 million question. We've talked about that. 14 league at the bottom. Who stays up? I think that Newcastle will be the drop. Tom? Sunderland for me. I just think they've got a goal scorer in Jermaine Defoe and, and that will be the difference. Well, I'm not sure they deserve to stay up, but it'll be Newcastle. Fact. Thanks for joining us here on Life's a Pitch.